just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Not too bad. You? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Just kind of on the more sporadic side with this episode. Normally, we have a topic we pick and we roll with it, but this time we just kind of want to talk and and see what happens. Kind of see how it goes. Yeah. It's been a while. I know we've had a few episodes like this. They're kind of a rarity because I'm more of a structurally oriented individual when it comes to there's a word for what cameron is it starts with an a and ends with an l what is that four letter word i don't know i could think of a couple (laughs) the one that comes to mind is um very organized and we'll leave it at that because we're a particular friendly we're a friendly podcast here anyways (laughs) If you haven't figured it out, the word is anal, but... <laughs> so much for being friendly. So... <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, I think we can just hit on kind of whatever. I I had been meaning to bring in more of The Witcher as far as fantasy goes for some of our listeners because I feel like there's so much about The Witcher whether it's the books, the games, if you've, I'm sure most of you have probably seen the TV series. I loved it. And there's so much, it's so lore intensive when it comes to a magic system because there's the typical mages and sorcerers and, you know, whatever. And it kind of takes after like the King Arthur-esque where the mages were uh, liaisons to kings. So it's kind of like uh, maybe a and d session. Uh, I wouldn't say D and D. I mean, yes, well, the mythical mages, creatures. Wizards. Yeah, and and the mythos involved. I'm throwing that out more as a question because, quite honestly, other than a couple episodes of The Witcher, the TV show, and I mean a couple episodes, I know nothing about The Witcher. Oh, let me tell you. So The Witcher takes place in history on what we know in our life as human beings. So, so is it like a parallel of history, <laughs> like go back 800 years into a parallel universe, or is it like... Not really, it's just, it's it's as, like I said, it's like... Is it like history plus a magic system? Yes, bingo. So you look at like the King Arthur stories, it was a real person, and then you throw in Merlin, his, his best friend and Historic his wizard. Historic fantasy. It's exactly what The Witcher is. I'm surprised I haven't actually gotten into this at some point. Bro, if you're into Lord of the Rings, I figured you would have been into Witcher at some well, point. Well, historic fantasy is kind of one of my favorite genres or topics of, of sci-fi and fantasy. So I really enjoy historic fantasy and historic fiction. It, it has its own geographical location, naturally. But it's... But then you throw in a magic system and you throw in kings and queens and and all of these other oligarchs i guess you could say are monarchies and it's very reminiscent of i guess you could say D in the sense that there are the, there's the mystical creatures not that it's like <clears throat> D as in because D is such a wide array of things speaking of which i just picked up a, a really cheap D starter kit we should totally do a a night you know, I know a few guys that 
that play, and I used to, but that was, you know, eons ago. Well, I picked up a cheap starter kit, that's all I'm saying. Magic the Gathering <coughs> recently came out with uh, a Dungeons & Dragons-esque set. Really? Last summer. So when it came out, it was kind of, to, it was to take place in one of the core sets that Wizards of the Coast released. For any of you Magic the Gathering players out there, it was, at first it was disappointing. Yeah. For someone like me who's been playing for 10 years and, and you as well. We used to play in college and Oh yeah. And it was adding the whole four-sided die, d20s, d10s into the mix with magic. At first it didn't really hit me, but I bought a couple of packs. I got really into it. You can make some pretty overpowered decks. With the rolling capabilities. And that is all Cameron cares about is how overpowered his deck is. I know. And how many people and how many games have we played with in our lifetime who've beaten my uh, mono black vampire life drain deck? I believe I'm one of them. Nope. It was Taylor's angel deck. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yep. The perfect counter. Yes. Well, yeah. I was I, thinking of the other deck. That's my bad. My flaw was not having enough. Uh, your flaw, let's be honest, your flaw was Taylor was absolutely on point that day with drawing cards, and you were not. The odds were against me in the RNG God's realm. <laughs> I wasn't the, draw, I was drawing lands. The luck of the, the <laughs> luck of spells. The luck of the, the card draw was not with you, but I think you probably would have lost to that deck. I would have. Probably over fifty percent of the time. But um, all that aside, their D and D set that came out wasn't impressed, and I I've been buying buying cards galore, you know, cardboard crack and all, <laughs> and it uh, it's really started to appeal to me. The whole dungeon delving thing you can go into dungeons and kind of have like these side quests with these cards, and the dungeons in each room of the dungeon on the card will give you life, it'll let you scry your cards, it'll let you draw, it'll let you create tokens, uh, treasures for mana. I don't but, know but how it, I feel about that. It's, right? So that's how most of the community of Magic felt when it first came out. Was See, my, my official response to that is, no, no, if I want to play d and <laughs> I want to play d and That's what most people thought, too. If I want to play tabletop, I'll play tabletop, and if I want to play Magic, I want to play Magic. But at the same time, that's a really cool theory. Now, I could see how that could be really, really cool in a computer version of the card game. They have one, Magic Arena. Right, but if you took Magic Arena, made it a single-player function, and you could actually play through the dungeons... You can, but it's more of like a subsidiary... I think that could be really cool. Like, to actually, like... Pop up the dungeon like you would on a tabletop with the dungeon figurines and the walls. Oh, the- I miss that. When I used to go to magic tournaments at some of the local game stores here, oh my gosh. The the cosplay notwithstanding, I do appreciate some of the art people put into their cosplaying, but cosplaying's never really been my my thing. I just go because it's a bunch of nerds talking about nerd stuff and it's Who doesn't love that? Does, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, clearly you know what we're talking about. But uh, no, uh, back to The Witcher. Sorry, it's, it's it's the lore is so deep. Each each mythical beast has its own lore. Well, I guess the the feeling I got was that it was 
this was the creation of, and like I said, I haven't seen much, but it, it felt like it was somebody setting up a, a world, a campaign of D&D, and this is the story that was born and told through that campaign of Dungeons and Dragons. Like, he's a... Geralt is a main character, Geralt. and what is the name of the witch? The witch or the sorceress? Sorceress. Yennefer. And the bard is... I can't think of any of their names, because, like I said, two or three episodes. But it's like you have a bard, a sorcerer, would he be a fighter or an assassin or whatever he is in D&D, and then... It, you you have them playing the game, and then somebody goes back and makes a really vivid story out of Jaskier it. Jaskier is his name. Jaskier. Sorry, I got distracted. Um, <clears throat> but it's like somebody made a super vivid, realistic story from their D and D campaign, and like gave it real life. And it's it, I thought that was kind of a cool feel to a, a franchise. So it is very similar. The The Witcher book series came out in the early 90s. Um, D&D, I honestly don't know. I know its origins, but I don't know when it was actually like created. Like when it when it was invented, I guess Dude, you Dude, D&D's say. old. So <clears throat> the cool thing, yes, I, I do agree. They do have some D&D-esque uh, motifs, but I think... The way you can differentiate it is the Witcher's magic system is a little different than Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons magic system is more like your typical wizards and mages, right? They have these different spells from books and codes and stuff like that. The Witcher's magic system revolves around the Witchers themselves who are mutants. Essentially, their chemistry and their biology was mutated. And they train for these specific spells that they can use. And yes, D&D came out in the 70s from what... Well, that's what it's looking like on the web. Yeah, the web is showing the 70s. So D&D predates the Witcher, but the magic systems again. And then the sorcerers and mages in the Witcher each have a set rule of magic that each can use some are it's almost like harry potter where some wizards and witches are powerful in some areas of schools of art and others are more powerful in other areas the witcher is the same but they all have a guideline that they adhere to versus D is kind of just use whatever magic you want kind of like diablo you go into a dungeon do whatever you have to do to live right you know Oh God, I love fantasy. Um, so it'd be, so be more like the the mages of Skyrim and and Elder Scrolls, where you kind of pick a a magic class. Are you a destruction mage? You know, are you fire, lightning? Are you illusion based? But you get you have your school type of magic. Yeah, you have your school that you adhere to. Right. A lot like again in Magic: The Gathering, the Strixhaven colleges. Those colleges for mages, if you go to a specific college, you learn that college's magic style because it appeals to you. The same with Skyrim. Now, you can be a master of all the arts. Right. Become an archmage or whatever. Absolutely. And Harry Potter, much the same. You learn through all the schools of magic. But you will... You can do all the magic, but... It's like in Skyrim when you pick a path and you just want to be a destruction mage. Your prowess you is dependent. You are that mage. Yep. 
And then in The Witcher, it sounds like you are only capable of certain magics. Not capable. You're capable of all magic. It's just, it's essentially what you want to focus on. Oh, okay. So you don't have to adhere strictly to you are this kind or you are this kind. Each mage is taught the same and what, a lot like Skyrim, which one you want to master is up to you. Right. But then you have like The Witchers who it seems like they're a bit, I don't understand what exactly is a Witcher. They're a, they're a mutated human. So they go through trials and tribulations, and they went through a mutation process to basically heighten the five senses. Sight, smell, taste, touch, and listening. Their senses are heightened by a mutated genome that was injected into their body. Okay, they have so supernatural they're injected, reflexes. So they're injected with a genome. Right, but nine times out of ten, the subject dies. So to live and be an actual witcher is a rarity because a lot of the bodies, the blood would coagulate, uh, the immune system would, it would freak just out. Kill you. It would reject the the injection. Okay. Okay. So, so what why happens? Were the witchers created. The witchers were created to of to stave off. Um, there are a lot of, like I said, mythical beasts in the world, and humans can only do so much. But if you can create. A human. In- so they created a superhuman. Look, look at Captain America. Right. So they created a superhuman strength reflexes in order to fight off the mythical creatures. Right. So you have just. So, so who created it? Who created what? The the serum or the injection or whatever it is. It was created by. So you have. Oh gosh, what was his name? His name eludes me. Honestly. So is there like a, a major government? Like what? What's the background there? Uh, there's no major government, just each, each kingdom is ruled by an oligarch. Okay. It's, that's why it's very reminiscent of medieval Renaissance times. The kings would run their areas and that was that. Now each area has its own lore, obviously, and its own backstory. So you say it's, it's kind of set in history. Where exactly would it be set? Uh, definitely. Like, it's not like alternate history in germany it's like a whole unique planet right yes draws on like uh middle ages or dark ages kind of era and that's where it gets a lot of okay vesemir so vesemir it was seen as the father of the witchers right he he bred them he created them he was the one who was there during their trials and during the injections of the the serum that was created for them. So warlock, magic user, non-magic user? No, he's a witcher himself. But there's different classes of witcher. There's different schools. So how did he create the witchers if he was a witcher? Like, where did the witcher serum originate? The origination story at this moment eludes me, but it was created by a group of people... And it was created to fight off these mythical beasts. Now, there is a faction known as the Wild Hunt, which are essentially like the four horsemen of of the apocalypse. And the Wild Hunt, no one is strong enough to defeat them except the Witchers because of their supernatural reflexes. But the Witchers are dying, see, because they can't... Once you're a witcher, you can't breed and have a witcher. It's not like a mage and a human having another mage. You have to get a volunteer to take the serum to create a new witcher. And because witchers are hated, 
because of what they are and what they stand for. Humans hate witchers because they're, they think they're badass and they think they're all great and all powerful, which they are. They saved the humans a plethora of times, but war has dwindled the witcher numbers down to a handful. Okay. And you have different schools of witchers. You have the bear... Uh, you have so it's kind of like the the, the wolf situation. the snake. So it's kind of like the situation with the rangers of the north, where they're just slowly dying out because they're not replacing them them as fast as they're losing them. Exactly. Okay. And I mean, there's bear, snake, wolf. Uh, yeah. There's 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 notable schools. The wolf, the school of the wolf, is what Geralt is a part of, and each school focuses on a certain set of skills. And I just, dude, there's so much in it that, that you would love, and I'm surprised you don't know as much as I thought you did. But I, I know, honestly, about nothing, because honestly, I never really had the opportunity to play the Witcher series. I stumbled across it a couple of times on sale and just was like, yeah, I'm in the middle of a game. I, I really like playing this game, so I'm going to finish this game. I'll find it sometime. Uh, and I've just never actually... I've never come across it when I was in the mood to try it, so I've never bought it. Right. And because I never got into the game, I had nothing to lead me into the lore, and because I had nothing to lead me into the lore, I never got to know it. So each of the schools has different orientations, right? Each... Orientation is in like chaotic good, chaotic Origination, neutral. I should say. Okay. And then they each have their own area that they kind of adhere to. So there's the school of the bear, the cat, there's the manticore, the crane, the griffin, the viper, and the wolf. Those are those are the schools. And each school is set to they're all witchers. But By they, school, do you just mean teaching, or is there actually physically five or eight schools? There's like actually where they teach them. Yes, like each each the bear has its own school. Yep, yep. And you go to that school to learn that. Okay. But through years of war and killing of the witchers, these schools dwindled down, and eventually they all settled settled together in one place called Kermoran. Okay. Which is where the witchers are bred and created. And all eight of these schools, because they're so sought after, they basically, their numbers are so few, they had to band together. So they all came to care more, and all the schools essentially intermingle, and, but the wolf is the most notable because that's obviously Geralt, who's the main character, that's his school. But there's just, there's so much, the magic system is incredible. So are there novels, or what? There are novels, early 90s, um... Graphic novels, I don't know for sure. I would assume there's at least a few because in the early '90s they were really they were really popular. Yeah, but I don't think <laughs> The Witcher was popular enough to have its own graphic novel. Oh, dude, everything had its own graphic novel. You just mm. may not know about. You'd it. be surprised. I mean, Lord of the Rings didn't have its own graphic novel when it came out. Uh, the only reason Lord of the Rings doesn't have a graphic novel is because. Up to this point, Lord of the Rings was defended. By the family of J.R.R. Tolkien. Harry Potter doesn't have graphic novels. That's because Harry Potter's garbage. <laughs> it is <laughs> no, not no, garbage. That was, that was because uh, Harry Potter came out after that era. If The Witcher was coming out and being really popular in the late 90s, early, early, early 90s, or late 80s, early 90s, 
I would think at least one or two graphic novels got released. Like they a, may exist. I don't off the top of my head, which is odd that I don't know, but I I have never seen or heard of them. Okay, and I have a pretty sizable collection of graphic novels, but it is very possible. And if they do have them, I'd love to get my hands on them. But um, no, man, trust me. If you want to mix Lord of the Rings, Skyrim, and Magic the Gathering and D&D, The Witcher is the place to go for that. It seemed really neat the few times that I've gotten into it a little bit. And I'm just scratching the surface with these times. But like... You have the the first two games are on Steam. Yeah, the I know. Originals. I know. Um, so I'm just scratching the surface when I say get in, like I've watched an episode and then I watched two or three more. Yeah. So it seems like something I would totally get into, but again, the Witcher has been something that fate has not allowed me to get into. Like, like I said, a couple of times I thought about picking up some of the games for Xbox or for my computer because they were there and I'm like, nah, I'm in the middle of this game or I'm really having fun with this game or I'm addicted to Minecraft or whatever it may be. <laughs> so I don't pick it up because I'm not going to play it. Yeah. Uh, or like I get started watching The Witcher, which I really like the TV show, but I watch an episode and I get distracted because I'm working on this project. Or I watch a couple episodes and then my daughter decides not to go to sleep till 10 o'clock. I just, it, it's fate's been keeping me away from it. It seems like something I should really get into. You should. And honestly. Not that I need another universe. Well, you do. Because <laughs> that's how we roll. I don't know that I need another universe right now. Need is a strong word. It's highly encouraged that you get into another universe. Let's put it like that. <laughs> we'll tell you what, we'll get back into D&D. I love D&D, man. I just, there's just, there's such a plethora of ways to play that game. And in a matter of two moves, you could kill your entire party. Or in a matter of one move, you could completely conquer and come out with the most powerful artifact in the game. You know, almost, it's it's also very World of Warcraft-esque, I should say. See, that's where you lose me. I know, you tried it. You, you you did the free-to-play route. You got to level 20, and, and I remember Lucas and I tried telling you, you can't just play to level 20 in World of Warcraft when there's... Now there's... Well, they went back to 60 levels no. now, but there's 100 back in the day. No, no, that's not it. I One, I'm incredibly cheap. Who are you trying to convince? No, I'm cheap. <laughs> I know no, there's no are. convincing. I'm cheap. Uh, the, second, the second thing, and this is actually where we start to get into something interesting... Um, I generally don't have the time to invest in a game that is heavily grind-based. I just don't have the time to actually sit down and play a game for two hours a night. Mainly because I am, I'm me. I, I have projects galore. I always have something to do. Mm. Uh, and then the other part of it that I really just, I didn't get... I didn't get a feel for the game itself. It just didn't draw me in. And I've played games like of that tenor. You know, I played Eve Online. Oh, Eve is a whole other ball game. Bro. No, no, no. But what I mean is I, it was pay to play. It was open world. It was grind heavy. It was took a lot of hours if you were going to get good. 
I played that. I played it for years. And honestly, I got out of it because of the same thing. I just, why would I pay for the subscription if I'm realistically only going to game two or three times a month? So that's where Blizzard gets it wrong. Because if they made it more reminiscent of how Star Wars The Old Republic and EA works, where you don't have to be pay to play, you can be free to play and have most of the positive consequences of being free to play, but you lack some of the more deeper things into the game, like having a higher credit limit, just well, things that you don't really care about. Well, let's be honest. SWOTOR is getting sort of pay to win where you have a credit limit. You have, uh, you have limits on the things you can use. You have limits on different skin features, which aren't really pay to win, but you have like, Lightsaber crystals you can't loot use well, unless you're a subscriber. Yeah, and you also... You get extra damage. You get extra... Uh, crew skills. Right. Yeah. So it's not pay to win because you can still win as a free-to-play player, but it's a lot easier to win and you get a lot stronger a lot faster if you pay. But it depends on your... But it allows me to have a lot of fun for free when I decide to play it. Depends on your goals in the game. Right. Are you playing for the stories? Are you playing to play with friends? Or I'm are you playing, playing for fun. To PvP? I'm just, just playing for fun. Right. Then free to play is the way to go. Right. And I've that's kind of where I'm at. But generally speaking, I just go ahead and play it about maybe once or twice a year. I get into it for two, three weeks and I play it 10, 12 hours and I'm off. It's not worth a year of subscriptions to play for 10 hours. And that's where I see the difference because I devote a little bit more time to those kinds of games that my investment financially becomes an investment personally and it's it's more satisfactory for me. Well, and when you have a company that makes a game like that that is that good, yeah. you want to be able to give them something back So because they're not doing this for free. They do this for money and if they don't have money, they can't do it. So even... I, games I love like Minecraft I will go out of my way and I will I will buy a copy for Xbox and for the computer because I want them to continue doing this even though I could play on one or the other I bought you know I have access to both because it's to me it's more about supporting the company and helping them to create more content <clears throat> and that's why I see it okay to to shell out $15 a month in a subscription to whichever game I choose. And I can cancel it at any time. Right. But they've also come out with options where you can buy a cheaper option, like a 60-day game pass for a little bit less of the cost of two months of a subscription cost. Which, once that 60 days is up, it's over. Right. And that's typically what I do, because my brother and I play Star Wars Old Republic together, and he and I both... We pick a time, we buy the 60-day game pass, we play that 60 days, and when it's up, we say, all right, we'll give it about three or four-month break, and we'll come back again. Yeah, my problem with that is I just have so many hobbies. Well, so do I, but you got to find time for everything. Yeah, I do, and I really like grapes, so I'm going to go trim my grapes. And I really <laughs> like potatoes, so I'm going to grow, grow my potatoes. I really like working on cars, Don't so I'm going to work on my cars. Taters and duct tape his truck together. Right? <laughs> so, 
for me, it's just, it boils down to there's not enough hours in the day. And then by the time I get inside, I'm like, hey, I want to play when it's dark. And it gets dark at nine o'clock in the summer. And it gets dark at six o'clock in the winter. Uh, and it gets dark way, at 430 here in the winter, my friend. <laughs> and either way, my wife and my daughter are sleeping in the next room. And I'm like, I really don't want to wake them up. I'm just going to go to bed. <laughs> and And that's where I'm at with gaming right now. Well, my gaming as of late has been playing the Mass Effect, uh, the Legendary Edition. Cause Stop I have, breaking your computer. Because I have the Xbox One S, and uh, <sighs> let me tell you, dude, a game that came out in 2008, it's amazing what modern graphics can do. Dude. It's a brand new, it's the same Mass Effect lore, it's a brand new game. Yup. Well, Halo, the Master Chief Edition is that oh, way. Oh, that's the same way. I played the first Halo 1 and Halo I 2 actually, campaigns. I actually, for nostalgia set it back to the original graphics on Halo well, for 1. some yeah for the whole thing but I the cutscenes I played it through you have to do the cutscenes I did I watched the cutscenes in high graphics oh my gosh it's beautiful. dude they they took it and they just gave the finger to just about every company who's ever tried to make aside from EA and Star's Old Republic cuz their their cinematics are insane I would say Cinematics wise, yeah, Star Wars The Old Republic has some of the best cinematics. But Halo Master Chief Collection definitely is on par with some of those cinematics. Mm. You know, some of them. Some of them, not all of them. But almost everyone in Star Wars The Old Republic hits. Well, it's because it's the stuff that we've been asking Disney for for the last six and a half years. You know know what I really want? (laughs) EA can do it, Disney. Why can't you? You know what I really want? I want Star Wars Battlefront 1 and 2, the original 1 and 2 from like 2000s. 2004 and 2005. I remember when they came out. And I want them to update the graphics. Nope, they already did. I want them to (laughs) upgrade the graphics. I want them to update... I I want more maps, update the graphics... And a better AI. UI, you mean? No. User interface? No, no, no. I want I want the droids to actually be able to kill you. Oh, I thought you were talking about the <laughs> game. I was like... I want the droids to actually put up a fight. Right. Okay, so you're talking about the PV, PVE. And I want like 25, meh, probably 30 or 40 worlds in the galactic map so that you can actually have a galactic conquest that takes more than a couple hours. And if you play your cards right on Galactic Conquest, realistically, it only takes about an hour. Well, so when Philip and I were in college, oh man, the Xbox 360 days. Where is time gone? (laughs) So in the chow hall, they used to have a commons area down the hall from where we would eat, essentially. The students student union or whatever they called that area yeah i don't remember it was across from the the sva building or room but no it was just the student union it was just a place for people to get together and i one day i was like you know what philip and i were roommates at the time and i was like dude let's go play in the commons area dude that was a blast it was a 70 inch tv plasma back then they didn't have all the stuff they have nowadays Uh, no that one might actually been lcd Yo, that old, then it's older. But 
Dude, we so we brought my 360. We brought our controllers. I still have that Halo controller, by the way. I have uh, Halo 3. When Halo 3 came out, I bought the helmet, and it came with the Xbox 360 controller. My black controller oh, finally oh died God. on the 360. My I still go back day. every once in a while. But we, we brought my Xbox over to the commons, plugged it into the television, and we started playing Battlefront 2, the original, not the 2017 one, the 2005 one. And we were doing Galactic Conquest. Yeah. We would go buy the NOS energy drinks and sit there and Just play for out. hours. Oh, we had so we had many people. So many people stopped by saying, what are you guys playing? This is cool. Throw the controller at a couple of if people. If you have to and... ask what I'm playing, you should leave. Yeah, but we had, people, <laughs> we had people come over and join in and play. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we had that one day where people brought their Xboxes, the 360s, because that's all that was out at that point. Yep. And they they we started three, a trend. They had three <laughs> seventy inch TVs. We had Star Wars on one. We had Halo on another, and we had something Mortal else. Kombat. Mortal Kombat playing on the third one, and we had like probably what forty people hanging out just playing video games. Philip and I started a trend, and we were we were seen as gods that day. And from then on, people would be like, "Hey, are are you and Philip going to go to the commons to play?" As if they couldn't go on their own. They wanted to make sure you and I were there because we were the masters of this universe. It was kind of interesting. It was a lot he, of fun. he might be exaggerating slightly. No, I'm not. Master you, of the universe. You know damn well. Well, I, I have the power. <laughs> no, man. Good it times. It was a blast because oh, it, it really was. I mean. And then that Mortal Kombat tournament we had in, when uh, Lucas and I were roommates the, the following year. Yeah, the one where I beat you. Nope. I ended up taking it because it was me oh, and... Oh. What, what was his name? Uh, oh, gosh. No, no, no. I got kicked out of the out of the tournament for cheating. Yeah, you and you were cheating I because there were, there were... I beat you. There were five of us that knew you were cheating. I was not cheating. It is totally legitimate to just block an uppercut. <laughs> the consensus was not just by myself, but others there that... Um, everybody in the room... Said, Agreed. said, get out. <laughs> now, in my defense, I was the only one to beat Cameron at all. You beat me in one round. I ended up smoking you with Scorpion with a 13-hit combo that killed you. Only because I wasn't allowed to <laughs> do what I was <laughs> do doing. The, the, the chintzy blocking and uppercutting, yeah. <laughs> Everybody got a kick out of that, though. It, it was, no, that was a fun tournament. He's throwing all sorts of great combinations, and I just uppercut him, and he <sighs> takes a hit. No, I think what won it was my... Oh, I was terrible. You were playing the guy with the with the big rice patty hat. No, I was not playing Raiden. Spinny dude. Yeah. Teleporting. Raiden or Kung Lao? Teleporty dude. There's two of them. I don't know. The one that you used to teleport no. behind me and throw, my, no, that was, throw uh, his hat at me. That wasn't me. That was Daniel. Oh, that's right. Daniel played the Kung Lao because he was really big into the the uh, Japanese conquests. Awesome. Oh, my. That guy was something That was else. a terrible game. Anyways. That but, was one of the best Mortal Kombat games. Mortal Kombat 9. The, the well the best Mortal Kombat engagement ever was still watching you just get super frustrated as you're doing everything you can and just getting uppercut. You know what you know what the you know what the icing on the cake for that fight was? The fatality that I did on you after no, no, you no. weren't allowed to do that anymore. The icing on the cake was I had never played Mortal Kombat before that day. 
They talked me into my first bout of Mortal Kombat being in their tournament so they could have an even number. And isn't that ironic? <laughs> the first time you play, you just sit there and... All I knew cup, all I cup. knew how to do was just push down, down on the D-pad. Freaking Y. <laughs> and Y. Unbelievable. That is all I knew. I didn't even know what a fatality was. So, that was funny. What was that? Was it Zach was his name, right? Which one? Glasses. Yeah. Guy who had the Mustang. It was Zach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were a bunch of Zachs at, at, our, uh, at the college we went to. He and I ended up making it to the final bout. And this, I mean, there was, there was not, I think eight or nine of us in this tournament. Even our, uh, even Jose, the room is the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the guy who was in charge of all the housing units on campus. He even got involved. Like this was high stakes, Mortal Kombat. I'm telling you, Mortal Kombat lore. Another episode. We're getting some ideas. Still garbage. Ugh. No, I've never been a fan of Mortal Kombat much. Well, I mean, most people aren't if you watch the movies from the 2000s. I didn't. For what they were, amazing. Looking back, it was just another Arnold Schwarzenegger 80s commando movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> There's or Sylvester Stallone. wrong with 80s commando movies. No, it's a classic, but what I'm saying is, like, you can see the cheese and you can smell the cheese, but you can't taste the cheese. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the cheese. Do you, though? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Well, how do you know if you've never tasted it? <laughs> I, I love I love eighties commando movies. They are so Rambo, obviously crazy. Total Recall, oh, Predator. Total Recall. I love Total Recall. Predator was one of my favorite. What's got Billy so spooked? He's staring up into the. Oh man. Or no, that my one of my favorite one-liners is uh, in Commando when Arnold Schwarzenegger's on the airplane, and. The guy next to him is one of the agents that he ends up like killing, and he puts a blanket over his head, and and the uh, the stewardess comes by and he's like, "Everything okay?" He's like, "Yeah, don't bother my friend. He's dead tired." <laughs> I was like, "That's a, that's a classic so corny, one line." I, love I know. It. Oh man. But that is absolutely outstanding. They don't make movies like that anymore. My, I was talking with my wife about that earlier, like. We were watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original from the 70s. Why does it seem like they just don't make new movies that are like... It's new? either remakes or they're super cheesy, like super just bad editing, bad videography, bad... Super depend on everything. CGI. Yes. The dialogue doesn't make sense. There's no character arcs. It, it just... So many of the modern movies are just garbage. I... We had... She and I had come to the conclusion like pre... Pre-2019, like 2019 was like the cutoff for good movies. I'm not saying all of them, like the Venom movie's good, the new Spider-Man's good, but most of the movies coming out within this next decade are all repeats or they're just monotonous stories that have been told time and time again. Plots don't make sense. See, and what I don't understand is there's so many things that you could draw on. Because I don't know that a good foundation movie has ever been made what do you mean by that well the foundation by isaac asimov oh okay i don't think and there's like eight or nine books in that series yeah and they all of them are are awesome books i don't think a single decent movie and i can't say a single movie i don't know of any of those that have been made into a movie at all 
But there's other movies like The Hobbit that I really didn't know existed until I looked Really? It up. That was the precursor. The cartoon Hobbit? Oh, I thought you were talking about like the books. The I was 80s. like, that that predated no, movie, Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit movie from like the 80s. Yeah, the cartoon. I didn't that realize was that existed. Very strange. So it's possible that there is a... Uh, it's very possible that there is a, a Foundation movie that I don't know anything about. But could you imagine Marvel-level Foundation? Um, no, I can't. Wouldn't that be epic? Because Disney owns Marvel. But wouldn't that be epic? Oh, I'm not, uh, cinematically, yes. But because Disney owns Marvel, I can see uh, a lot of issues down the line with uh, that. Yeah, but at the same time... It... Or if you mean just drawing from Marvel ideas. No, no, just that caliber. Okay, that ca... Not necessarily the budget, but like really good CGI. Really decent writing. Really good story arcs, other than Gosh. Captain Marvel. Um, well, I never saw that one. I did. Uh, I'm sorry. Not that... <laughs> I feel bad for you. It's actually not all that bad standalone. Um, I think where it really lacks is... Brie Larson? <laughs> <clears throat> In her back. Um, but I, I would say where it really lacks is they made it seem like you needed to see Captain Marvel to understand the later MCU installments. Ah, but I understood and, them without seeing And it. honestly, I didn't really see anything useful to the avengers in captain marvel there was nothing world changing there was no great lore there was i mean i've heard the way they make nick fury lose his eyes stupid yeah epically stupid like again i've never seen it and i was still able to understand See, all of the end game movies i think i i think honestly that choice of of showing how nick fury lost his eye i don't think there's a good way to do that even if you gave it the perfect way it was it, it was the mystery that made it intriguing. Mm. Kind of like the reason I don't watch Black Widow. I still haven't seen that one either. I haven't even seen Venom 2, and Venom is my favorite Marvel villain. I don't I'm want so to upset. watch Black Widow. Because Black Widow, the, the great masterpiece of her character is... She's an amazing character. You don't know. You're not supposed to know. That's what's so mysterious. Right. She's a shadow character. She her background is supposed to be blocked off. Just like Mystique from Esmond. Yes. Could you I, you ruin the character by taking away the the mystery? Exactly. It, and there's so many characters like that that taking away the mystery, no matter how good you do on their story, it, it's not enough. Um Okay, so the best example of this is in Warhammer 40k. I know I always go back to that, and you're not a huge fan. Because you don't know anything about it. Well, but, Scarlett Johansson is enough for me. That's true. That. But in Warhammer 40k, there's Primarchs. Okay. The Primarchs are the sons of the Emperor. He creates them, genetically modifies his DNA along with human DNA, splicing it together to create, you know... 18 foot tall demigod superhumans so like the giants of norse mythology yes but like <laughs> they can do uh faster than light calculations like calculating faster than light routes in their heads in their heads 
near instantaneously. That's that like, kind of intellect is like superhuman. Now, to the point that like one of them wrote a battle a book of battle. It mm. was a book of everything he knew about war. And it was the way it's described is is this guy some kind of martial paradigm or is he just a an intelligent being? Yeah, kind of. He's his great trait is that he's a great leader. He is a great um, so he's studied war in his time as a leader? Kind of. Or how was he able to write a book? He was. He is able to use his experience at war, and he's able to use, because he, I mean, he was one of the people who conquered an entire galaxy, essentially. Well, I guess um, that gives him the right to write a book about right. martial warfare. But the book is described as he takes every scenario that could possibly happen in war, and then writes the... I think it's eight most common things that could happen from that. Okay. And the eight most common things that could happen from those eight most common things. And the eight most mm, common like things down from effect. the eight most... Yes. Okay. And so it's a giant... It's an exponential increase by a factor of eight. And he does this for every feasible situation. And it's all in a book. That kind of like intelligence. Intellect. Not important necessarily. So it's like the Agma Infinium, yeah, from Skyrim. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's twenty of them. Oh my! This guy. This guy. Now, has a lot real, of time this, on his hands. No, no, no. There's there's twenty Primarchs. Now, as far as anyone knows, there's only eighteen, because two Primarchs are missing. Okay. They're the missing Primarchs. I uh, believe 11, the, the 11th Primarch, and maybe the 3rd Primarch. Not important. There's two Primarchs that are the missing Primarchs. That is all they're ever referred to as. You get nothing but a whisper here and there, like there's one line in one novel about the missing Primarchs. Hmm. And then there's, every other mention is they're just called the missing Primarchs. But there's one mention of their lore. And it's like, well, you know what happened to our brothers. Like implying yeah. that they know what happened to the two missing Primarchs. Yeah. But we have no idea. And what makes them such an intriguing focal point is that you have no idea. So no matter what you do, if you try to give them a background, you ruin their very being. As a part of this universe. Hence the reason Ray shouldn't exist. <clears throat> oh, um, good lord. So. No, that is why the background story to Han Solo shouldn't exist. Or Ahsoka. Anyways. Um, no, that shouldn't <laughs> exist for a whole lot of reasons. I was going to say, I was talking to my father last week. I went and visited them and my parents. And we kind of got onto the subject of like all of Star Wars and my brother was talking with it about us as well about Star Wars and why why moving towards this essentially ult- ultimately I should say not essentially ultimately becoming based off of green screens and CGI is a terrible idea because if you go back into the years of Star Wars look at the look at the um, claymation look at the puppet Yoda was a puppet <coughs> the Hoth scene was all claymation and then you have what? What do they call uh, um, practical effects? Animatronics. Animatronics, practical effects. Yeah. Yes. 
all the sounds everything was all made by real things that's an interesting concept that's an interesting theory it's not a theory it was better back then when it was just original well yes but especially when you have frank oz doing the voice of yoda well that's true (laughs) the guy's a genius my question is is it is it the cgi that's the problem or is it something more fundamental it's the lack of I feel like it's the lack of integrity put into the set. What what is the best trilogy? That's hard to say. Best trilogy in terms of what? Of Star Wars. Of Star Wars? Yeah. Uh the prequels. You think the prequels are the best? Sorry, no. I mean, I was thinking the in, original trilogy. I wasn't thinking chronologically. Um the original 4, four. 5 6. Yes. The next trilogy because they're they're made in trilogies. Yes, that's how that's how it is. Lord of the Rings is the same. Um, so you you have four, five, and six is the best. How, I, I how think the Witcher is even a trilogy. I think that's pretty even across the board. Everybody can say that. I mean, there's going to be some people who disagree, and that's okay. Um, one, two, and three are next. They're, they're the second best. And then that's where it stops. And then Disney. That's where it stops. Is the worst. Those are the, the only trilogies. trilogies. The only trilogies are one, two, three, four, five. No, no, and no. Six. We need to take this into account. There's only two trilogies, Phil. Think about it. Stop beating a dead horse. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Ah, fine. The I'll difference isn't necessarily the animatronics. The problem with the new ones is they're not as believable. It's the, pride the story put doesn't into matter. It. The story doesn't matter as much. It's not as believable. There's incontinuities. There's issues with the lore. There's issues with universe-breaking things. I think, and, and this is my... I'm going to call this my running theory but on the this. But the Phantom Menace came out. Yoda was a puppet in that one, too. But I'm going to think... I'm going to throw this out and say it's my running theory, and I'm going to have to think about it more and come up with something better if I need to. I think it has nothing to do with the style of making the movie. I think it has everything to do with the budget. And That's more the, no. And more specifically, it has everything to do with the lack of budget. There are a lot of things done in the original trilogy specifically because they did not have the budget. It's not about budget. It's about the love and affection you put into it. Look at the Muppets. No, 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 no. It's creativity. It's That's what I mean. Look at the Muppets. Look at what Jim Henson did to the Muppets. But if you all have... All of that, the Dark Crystal, the Muppets, you have Labyrinth, you have all these movies that Jim Henson did. But if you have infinite money and infinite technology... But it's... Uh, yeah, I... You can uh, throw it to the editing team and say, just make it look good. Whereas in the original trilogy, George Lucas had to say, hey, uh... We don't have the budget for the Alderaan scenes. Have you? Have you, there was a video on YouTube I watched of how they created like the lightsaber and the binoculars? Yeah, I can't remember the name. He literally took garbage. Yeah, and melded but it together, and he's like, "Here's a lightsaber to handle. do what he wanted to do to make his dream." But do you see the significance of that? As yes. opposed to a multi-billion-dollar yes. Big Daddy Disney. But the fans appreciate it more. What is the most moving part of episode four? A New Hope? Yeah. I can think of three. Go for them. The first one is when Luke walks out on the horizon when he gets upset with Uncle Ben and he's watching the sunset. The second one is when uh, Obi-Wan dies on the Death Star. Okay. 
And the third one is when the Death Star is destroyed and the team unites again on Yavin. All right. And Chewie didn't get his medal. Oh. <laughs> okay. What if I told you two of those three would be different if they had more budget? I, w- I guess I wouldn't believe you because it's about... Originally, a whole bunch of the scenes that were on the Death Star were supposed to be on Alderaan. But because they didn't have the budget for another set, George Lucas said, we'll just do those on the Death Star. It's already a set we have. And then they blew up Alderaan because they'd already mentioned it. Right, but I think it's more about the aspect of the in the moment as opposed to yes, the budget. It's about creating a scene out of nothing that makes fans appreciate it so much more. Because now we can put ourselves in Luke's shoes. I can't put myself in Ray's right, shoes when she's sitting in the sand. But if you're doing it for $100 million, if you're writing a script for $100 million, you're doing it for the money, most likely. If you're writing a script for 800 bucks because you want to write this script, it's this, the 70s, it's your pet remember. project. It is the 70s. You gotta right, remember that. Right. But if you're writing a script and you're taking a loss because you want to write the script. He ended up making all his money back and then some. That's he for damn sure. He absolutely did. But I think a part of it is budget constraints force creativity. They force you to do, well, I guess we're going to do claymation because we can't afford a suit to put on an well, actor. Well, of course they do. That's the limiting factor with a lot of movie production is it budget. It forced them to be more creative and it forced them to think outside the box. I think that's why it's better. I don't think it has anything to do, or at least it has way less to do, with the technology. Because if CGI had been there when George Lucas was making episode four, he'd have used it. But look at it like this. I so don't think it's the technology. I think it's I think it's the fact that Disney is not... flushing the market with hundreds of millions of dollars per movie. Well, what else are they going to spend it on? They're trying to make big, bright lights and flashy scenes with really crappy editing and really crappy stories. That doesn't entice people like you and me who actually have grown up with the originals and my my brother and my dad are in the same boat. Right, like, but I think that's the problem is Disney's too big. The problem isn't that. It's, 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 it's a what you know, not who you know. Well, George Lucas was a who you know. Nick Gillard, one of the best fight scene choreographers in history. Frank Oz, a puppeteer master. Then you have all these other people that he brought on board from different backgrounds and made his dream come true. Disney is a what you know. What does Disney know? They know money, and they know big scenes and big projects. Well, and and that's worked for them in the past. What I'm saying is I think it's to the point where if you spend that much money... You're not constrained. You don't have to. You you don't have to think as creatively because you just go, "Hey, we have CGI. Let's turn this big big ship around in space, and we'll jump into light speed, and we'll blow up these eleven hundred ships." Oh God, that scene makes my skin crawl. Because it'll be so big and so flashy and so and it was visually stunning. I know Star Trek is world breaking, but that takes world breaking to a whole new level. But how would George Lucas have made that scene? With practical effects. There's a reason he's a genius. Hey, I think someone's trying to get a hold of you. Uh, apparently. <laughs> There's a reason he's such a cinematic genius is because he was able to do all the things that he did with the budget he has. But that's my point. I, I, 
I think it's the number one. He's not dumb enough to try and make a scene like that because he knows it wouldn't be possible. Well, I think it was the budget constraints that really allowed creativity to flow. I think it was that. How do I want to say this? I think true creativity comes from emotion, and desperation is an emotion. I don't think you're getting emotions. Desperation for... is a feeling. Well, it, it leads to You emotions. feel desperate. You don't... But you feel panicked because of desperation. You feel anxiety. You feel anger. You feel whatever you feel. It drives emotion, and that makes you more creative. I think that desperation is a part of the reason he wanted to create his dream. He, he did. He was desperate to create his dream. And... He did what it took. Because of being desperate, because of not having all the funds he could have. And now because Disney is just throwing money at it, well, yeah, you're getting the best writer and you're getting the best director. But you're not getting Supposedly. the director who loves. You're not getting the writer or the storyteller who loves Star Wars. They're doing it because you're paying them a million dollars. They're not doing it because I'll take what pay I can get. I want to tell this story. Well, it's it's sad for sure, but I'm definitely glad that uh, Disney's better judgment of stripping Kathleen Kennedy of creative powers is probably one of the better things to happen. And I I've, think we can agree that it's one of the better things. I just don't know if it's enough. It's not enough, but I was going to say there have been whispers and rumors on the interwebs. I know, a terrible place to go. Stay away, kids. The internet the is bad. The internet is for... <laughs> no. Um, there have been whispers of Disney thinking about bringing back George Lucas as more involved in the next things in life. We'll see where it goes. I know he's never going to hear this, but a message for George. Don't do it. Don't sell your soul to Disney. The mouse-eared Satan will eat you. He already did when he sold Star Wars. No, get I out. Wrote, you retired. Go to an island, drink drinks, and enjoy the the rest of your life. Enjoy the 12 billion Disney shares? I did a research paper on it in college in my when I was getting my English It minor. doesn't matter what you have. Go to an island. Enjoy yourself. Drink some drinks that are too too sweet. Swim in the ocean. Enjoy your life. Don't worry about Disney. We love you. We don't want you to be corrupted by Disney. He has to be Disney. worried about Disney because they're ruining his brainchild. Don't let Disney ruin you. You are a treasure, George. I think that's all we got for you guys. Just a... Just kind of talking. Good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. A L- little bit more about Philip and I. I know we're... About 20, this will be our 22nd episode. 22nd, whatever. So uh, we don't normally talk about ourselves on a personal level, but hopefully you guys got to know at least a little bit about our quirks. Yeah. Our history. Kind of just, uh, just having a conversation. Two How Philip likes, to, it. Philip likes to be chintzy at Mortal Kombat, but we won't get into that. Mortal Kombat's a garbage <laughs> game. Uh, but that's all we got, guys. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your weekend. And as always, follow, like, hit us up, hiveascummyvillains at gmail.com. And, Have a good morning, day, evening, night, afternoon, whatever it is. And uh, we know a lot of the turmoil 
and a lot of the negativity in the world to our Eastern European listeners and all of our listeners overseas. Our thoughts and our prayers are with you guys for sure. Hopefully we can bring you some joy in these sad times, but uh, we're here for you guys and we're thinking about you guys. We wish you the best and we hope for a peaceful and quick resolution to everything that's going on. Other than that, as always, we'll see you next time. 